Well, hey, my name is Ryan Nixon, and it is, and this is my beautiful wife, Callie, right here. And I had the privilege uh, of just serving here with this re-engage team uh, at Watermark, and it's a joy to be with you guys um, also. But more importantly than that, of uh, just getting to serve here, uh, I get to be first and foremost um, a husband of almost nine years to my wife, Callie, and then we've got uh, some girls at home. So we've got a four-year-old, uh, Davy Kate, and a two-year-old, Evie Lee, and they uh, just add a ton of joy uh, to our life uh, every single week. There we go, a little peanut. And, uh, and also, thank you, babe. You're welcome. And, and we have a third baby coming in April. Yeah. We're pregnant. She's, she's more pregnant than me. We're pregnant, and we've got a little boy, so we're adding, adding a boy to the mix. It's going to be awesome. Um, we're really privileged just to get to share our hearts with you all tonight. Um, just a part of our story of how God has allowed us to fall more in love with each other as we've fallen more in love with him. And this specific part of our journey is more about Ryan's specific sin struggles and how he's grown through them. But I just would like to make really abundantly clear that we could do a whole nother talk on my sin struggles and how that's affected our marriage and grown us as well. So, um, we're, we're super glad to be here and just pray that God uses part of our story to bless and encourage you all tonight. Absolutely. Psalm 32, 3 and 4 says, For when I kept silent about my sin, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of the summer. You know, this was my experience uh, with... with the sin of lust, pornography, and masturbation uh, for so many years for me. Uh, feeling the pressure of unconfessed sin that manifested itself in guilt and shame, um, and me not experiencing the fullness of joy that God desires uh, for me uh, in life and also in marriage. Tonight, your struggle with sin might not be the same as what Ryan's is, and your story might be a little bit different than ours, but the beauty of the gospel is that, like it says in James 3, we just all stumble in many ways. And the hope of Christ is that he offers us grace and the ability to walk strongly in our own way. And we just really pray that you are encouraged tonight as we share. So I trusted Christ when I was 11 years old um, and through a, a camp up in Missouri. And even though I, w- I was a good kid for the most part, uh, my counselors shared with me through their lives and also through the words, the truth of the gospel, that, that I'm a sinner um, who is separated uh, from God and and also just, I think I might be, might be me. Um, and then also just that because of what Christ, life, death, and resurrection, um, and what he did for us, that he offered us newness of life. And so, um, but it's only a few short years uh, later that I was introduced to pornography uh, through some friends and quickly became addicted uh, to the sin of lust and masturbation. I'm good? And... Uh, So this was my sin struggle that I was consumed with throughout high school and also into college. And even though I was a believer, um, I did not have any form of accountability or discipleship. And so therefore, I had a very skewed view of what God's grace looked like, his mercy, and also what it looked like to fight well against the sin. And there's also an immense amount of shame and guilt that came with this sin, which led me to compartmentalize my life and not be open and honest with other people. Um, Outwardly, 
um, I was a good Christian guy, but inwardly I was experiencing death and destruction because of this sin. And I spent many nights um, in heartfelt prayers asking God for forgiveness and promising that I'd never do it again. And then only to find myself a few days or weeks later um, just falling into the same sin struggle. I'm going to switch mics. Red. I'll use hers. For a Sorry about that, guys. Um, you know, in this cycle in my life, and this lifestyle continued until I was a senior in college. And it was my senior year in college that I first started to experience some form of accountability through a small group of guys. And this is the first time that I saw um, a group of guys share about their own sin struggles and temptations in life in the area of lust and pornography. Um, it was very freely, freeing to realize that I wasn't alone um, in these struggles and in these failures to this temptation. But accountability for us, even though it was very honest compared to not sharing at all, was still very vague in its confession. I found myself sharing as much as I needed to to feel good about confessing to others. Normally, this would look like, please pray for me. I've been really struggling with lust lately, and I messed up this past week. And over the next 10 years, this is what accountability and confession looked like for me. A very vague form of confession that just shared enough to appease the group that I was talking to. Throughout those years, I started to gain ground against this temptation of lust and pornography, but it was still a losing battle for me on a regular basis. The way that I approached accountability and also the continual poor choices with this sin also continued into my marriage, which brought even more guilt and shame. Because here I was, uh, been a Christian for 16 years. Now I'm married to my beautiful bride, my best friend, um, I was in full-time ministry at the time, uh, helping out with student ministry, and I was still struggling and failing deeply in this area. What I didn't realize is there was a number of different reasons why I wasn't finding victory over this sin and experiencing the life that God desired for me. Mainly, it was the sin of pride in my own reputation and the fear of man, which caused me to try to manage my sin and offer half-hearted truths um, in confession. There were even times in my marriage where my half-hearted confessions and hiding brought a lot of pain to my sweet bride. And it was not because of the sin of pornography or lust, but it was because of my dishonesty. I remember the first time that Ryan confided in me about his past and current struggles with lust and pornography. And it was two weeks before we got married. And I was very young. And in other ways, praise the Lord, very sheltered, but also just because of that, just did not know how to deal with this or handle it. And I actually asked myself the question, is this a deal breaker for me? And I look back on that with kind of a lot of shame and just saying, it pains my heart that here was a man coming honestly to the table with his struggles, and I really did consider sending him packing. And so it's not the best way to create a safe place for failure, especially because I myself had spent over 10 years in bondage to my own sin and had only recently experienced complete freedom and healing through biblical confession. Um, at the beginning of our marriage, I thought that Ryan was the absolute worst liar in the whole world. <laughs> and um, he had also kind of like didn't want to lie. Like he's one of those guys that didn't want to lie through proposal. I was like, just tell me a lie, it's fine. You know, but later I realized that in truth, I really did kind of put him on a spiritual pedestal, which wasn't fair. Um, throughout our first year, few years of marriage, I began to see that I was wrong. Um, I would notice 
maybe lingering looks, and if I addressed it, he'd get super awkward. Um, He struggled just to talk humbly and freely about his struggle, and when he confessed, there usually seemed to be more underneath that confession, sometimes two and three layers more, so it was hard to tell which version um, you were getting. But the most difficult part was that we started this process with no specific community. I felt alone in this struggle, and I had to really fight the urge to make his sin my responsibility and try to find ways to ensure that this wouldn't happen again. And if you've ever tried it, especially my fellow daughters of Eve, it just doesn't work very well. It's controlling. And I thought, well, if no one else is going to care about his righteousness, then I sure as heck am. And so I thought that I had to do it. And um, you have to be really careful with that. So I had to fight to desire to completely take over his computer, his phone, any text messages, anything that might have led him to a poor decision. And it just wasn't healthy. And as Ryan said, much more than the actual sin of pornography, it was the distrust that broke my heart, the hedging, the half-truths, and sometimes the bold-faced lies. But there were other ramifications, too, just blows to my self-confidence. Though I am confident in who God has made me to be, I've always struggled with my body image and my weight, and I had a really hard time not taking his sin personally and not seeing my weight as a direct correlation to his sin struggles. I had plenty of thoughts of, you know, if I were just skinnier or prettier, then he wouldn't feel the need to run to this. And I had to really, really refute those lies. And even now, as I'm sitting in front of you eight months pregnant and a little, you know, pregnant, I still have to refute those lies to myself even now. Um, But a verse that I really clung to during that time and still now is Psalm 73, 25 and 26. And it just says, Whom have I in heaven but you? And there's nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And though there were really some rough times during this season of our marriage, when I look back over it, I really do see a man fighting for transparency and righteousness, even to the point of his own hurt. So this cycle continued over a little over four years, so about a little over four years ago, when I was tired of trying to keep up with the deception and also worn out with the sin's effects on me. I finally came to a place where I humbly and authentically and specifically confessed to my wife and to my community group. I asked forgiveness from all of them for my deception in the midst of their accountability. Then, with their help, started to talk through some next steps for me to find a season of victory over this sin through boundaries and also getting to the heart issue um, through regeneration. And regeneration is just a recovery ministry we have a watermark to help people find healing and hope in Jesus Christ. Boundaries for me were not having access to the internet at home, getting rid of my smartphone, and communicating everything to my boss and also the IT department and my new place of work, which was watermark. Uh, There was still a lot of shame and and guilt due to this sin struggle. And I thought, again, now moving to a place of working at a church, um, that I shouldn't have been given into this temptation. But through my time at Regeneration, I was able to more fully understand God's grace, my identity in Christ, my inability to find victory apart from the help of the Holy Spirit, and my need for biblical confession and accountability. God used the men at Regeneration, the men in my community group, guys here on staff to help me learn how to fight well and depend on Christ and also confess authentically and specifically. 
Since that time, even though it's not been perfect against this temptation of lust and pornography, um, we have both found healing and hope because of Jesus. Well, and once we realized that perfection or never stumbling again were not the goals, but fellowship and true confession, things really began to change. The reality is, is I could not be more proud of the man that sits beside me. He pursues righteousness like few men that I know, and I'm thankful to get to be able to love him. As I've seen him grow in this practice of biblical confession, our whole family has benefited, but perhaps none more so than myself. I see him daily making such an effort to do, as it says in Hebrews 4.16, let us approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I've been blessed by the changes that I've seen in him, and as he grows, his grace with my shortcomings has taught me so much about God and how he views our sin. As I struggle in my flesh with my own hurts, habits, and hang-ups, there have been a few times where I have fallen to my struggles and have needed to come and confess to him in really big and embarrassing ways. The grace he has met me with has humbled me and completely challenged me. I literally am able to see the mirrored grace of God through the grace extended to me by my husband in so much more of a tangible way than I could ever see it just in knowing that God has given it to me. Um, y'all, that's, it's beautiful. And that's what we should and what we can be for each other if we don't give up. The arms of Christ showing his love and grace for our spouse when they can't see it on their own. I mean, what a privilege. So guys, um, I, I spent around 20 years just in bondage to, to sin. And it wasn't because of the sin, but it was my unwillingness and inability uh, just to confess to other people. Uh, because I was afraid of what they would think of me, and I was afraid um, if I would be accepted by others. And, and what I found is that when I began to confess uh, authentically and, and openly to others, that that's where healing and hope was found. And so one of the, one of the things we want to do over these next few minutes um, is just answer a few questions just about confession. And these are the questions like, why do we confess sin? What does biblical confession look like? What is the role of the offended party? Um, And then also, uh, what are some next steps for maybe some of us? So the first question, why do we confess sin? Number one, sin separates us from God. And 1 John 1, 6 through 10, it talks about fellowship with God and that we can't truly have it if we're walking in the darkness and not coming clean with our sin. It even says we lie to ourselves and the truth is not in us. Number two, why we confess sin is that unconfessed sin keeps us from experiencing life. As Ryan read earlier in the Psalms, he talks about he was wasting away. And in Psalm 51, it talks about how um, he says, let the bones which you have broken rejoice. There is brokenness in confession, but to do that, you're enabling yourself to rejoice again with a clean heart. And then thirdly, revealing brings healing. And again, not overnight, but over time. Um, Proverbs twenty eight thirteen says, whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will find mercy. So the second question there is, what does biblical confession look like? I wish I had a great acronym or something like that, but it just didn't happen. So, I mean, one is that we, we do it quickly. Yeah. <laughs> one is that we do it quickly. Uh, humbly, authentically, specifically, and then we ask for forgiveness. And so with quickly, we just want to keep short accounts. You know, just there's tons of scriptures that talk about us 
You know, if we're in a place of worshiping God, but our brother has something against us, or there's sin between us, that we leave our offering at the altar and we go be reconciled with our brother or sister in Christ. You know, there's Proverbs that talk about, you know, not being in bondage to someone else and running quickly to free yourself. And, and also just not letting the sun go down on your anger. And I, I would just say that we would not let the sun go down when there is sin between us. And so we want to do that quickly. Uh, humbly. What this looked like for me and what I've seen it look like for other people and people who've modeled this is that we have to give people permission to ask us questions and also to speak into our lives. That as we're even confessing to other people that we'd give people permission to really ask questions because sometimes within our own sin struggles, we might be blind to what's really going on in our lives. And so I need my wife to have been given permission by me and I need my community group to have permission from me to continue to dig deeper even when I'm confessing because I've told them like, hey, after I confess, don't just leave me at that. My heart's going to want to hide, and so continue to ask me questions. Authentically, uh, is that we be fully honest, that we wouldn't be hedging or managing information. I realized for myself for so many years I managed information with other people uh, because I wanted them to see only a particular side of me, and I was not fully open and honest. And then also being specific. Now, when we're specific, uh, we don't want to be graphic, with, with whatever it is that we're struggling with, that there are sin struggles that we might need to be confessing. An example of uh, just not being specific in what we could have said is that we don't just say, I've been struggling this past week, or um, something in that nature that's very vague, but it more looked like for me as I was uh, failing with pornography, is, hey, this last Monday I looked at pornography, that I'm specific in what happened. And you might even get more specific with a group of guys and, and differently with a group of girls, but you want to be really open and honest and raw. Uh, we should share as much as the offended party or accountability partner wants to know. Okay, so it's the accountability. It's the other person that gets to determine how much we share, not us. But uh, you don't want to share to someone's own detriment. And so with that, once my wife, um, as we were walking through this, and I, I started confessing and she had some questions. And so she wanted to know some more details about something that I confessed with pornography. Uh, and I shared with her, I said, I'm willing to share that with you, uh, but I'd like for you to ask the girls that are in our community group first to see if they believe it's beneficial for you to know that. Um, and so it was just a really good thing for us to talk through, to be able to say, hey, anything you want to know, I'll share with you, but let's, let's talk to some of the other girls in your life as well. And it wasn't. It wasn't beneficial. I mean, I think as the receiver, we can either be um, closed off or we can be self-deprecating. Like, go ahead and just lay it on me even more. But that, to our own hearts and to the images that it creates in our mind, isn't healthy. And so mm-hmm. it's good to be willing to share, but to kind of push back a little bit and go maybe get some feedback as far as if that's healthy for you, for me to share it. And the last one is ask forgiveness. We've grown up in a culture where we're such in the habit of saying, hey, I'm sorry. Okay, I know it was a big deal. Like, I'm really, really sorry about that. Uh, but we need to look someone in the eye and specifically say, hey, um, I, will you forgive me? You know, for our case, will you forgive me for looking at pornography? Will you forgive me for not being open and honest with you? Because then it gives the other person the opportunity to specifically extend forgiveness to us. The third question is, what is the role of the offended party? Number one, that we've said we're not expecting perfection and we're creating a safe place for failure. Well, how do you do that? It's easy to say on our own, man, just stop. Dude, dude, just turn off the computer and stop. 
But we've talked a lot about how we have to know our own propensity towards sin. Because I could say the same to myself, like, go jog. Just go do it. And I, like, in my heart, that's my, that's my Achilles heel. I, I struggle to do it. So we should have grace with one another. It is not up to me to ensure that he never fails again. You know, it is, or that he always tells me the truth. I can only be sharpening as his other half that pushes him towards Jesus. Number two, we want to listen fully, and we want to thank them for sharing. It takes a lot of courage to be humble and to share. Number three, we're not going to use the hurt that our spouse has caused us as a sin, um, with their sin as a weapon against them. We're not going to um, throw it back at them like an arrow at a later date. Um, but our figure, her forgiveness is going to have consequences, but it needs to be real, and it needs to be a decision that we've made. Um, Number four, we want to be gracious as Christ is gracious towards us. And number five, after they ask forgiveness or sometimes even before, we want to extend that forgiveness. And like we said, sometimes it's obedience. It's not a feeling. It's not something you want to do, but it's something you're doing um, because you love the Lord and you know he's forgiven us for so much more. There's a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation Trust takes time to be rebuilt. It's like a wall or foundation whose brokenness affects more than just itself. It has to be rebuilt slowly and purposefully. And what always encourages me with this is Proverbs 4.18. It says, but the path of righteous is like the full, is like the first light of dawn that shines brighter and brighter until the full light of day. And I just want to tell y'all, you, you may not see it yet. You may feel like you find yourself you know, straining to see God's hope in the thin light of dawn, or you might find yourself completely in the dead of night right now, but we want to encourage you just to know that the sun is coming. And if you keep walking in righteousness, the sun is going to rise on your marriage because God is faithful and he's righteous and he wants intimacy for you no matter what you've been through. All right. The last question is just what are some next steps for us? You know, what might be some next steps for you? Says some of you have unconfessed sin in your life. And we want you to trust that God is big enough to handle it and that you'd confess it. Um, if you don't feel like you can do this in a group setting, you know, confess it to your leader. Find someone that you can trust to be open and honest with and just say, hey, here's, here's where we are. Here's where I am. And you'd share that with them. Uh, take that first step of confession. Some of you, pornography is a part of your past or a part of your present um, and it might be something else. You could really fill in the blank with any other sin, you know, that, that we are all dealing with sin. And so confess this and also cut off access, as it talks about in Matthew 5, that we would just remove all access and we'd put safeguards in our life. And again, we don't hope in those safeguards. Like I did not hope in not having an iPhone or, you know, com- internet access or anything like that, but it slowed me down enough so that I could turn back and hope in Jesus. And so our hope is found in Jesus, but those safeguards and those boundaries just help us to slow us down so we can choose what we really want to choose. Um, And then lastly, we mentioned just regeneration, a part of our recovery program here at Watermark. And it's just just helping people find healing and hope in Jesus. And so maybe for you, after you finish with re-engage, you know, your next step might be uh, going through regen. And I couldn't uh, encourage you more to do that. In closing, I wouldn't trade one moment of our journey together, especially the rough parts. I know that Ryan and I want to be people who are not living perfectly together, but who are serving a perfect God together and living life practicing biblical confession and communion with God and one another. 
And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, then proven character, then hope. And hope does not disappoint. Um, We pray God's great hope over your hearts tonight. And thank you so much just for letting us share.